0: raider nation it's that time of the week again subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black but yes the las vegas raiders have their guy josh mcdaniels looking for objective opinions and interviews with a-list guests just pod baby congrats on 100 episodes i'm happy for you guys keep doing your thing and thanks for having me man it was a blast look no further You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote.
1: Hello there, Raider Nation. It is time for Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by Sportsnet.com. I am Evan Grote, your host. Please follow me on Twitter at eGro5. And before we go any further, make sure you click the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the new upcoming shows. Now, I am back after a two-week hiatus from the show. We took a trip down to Florida, as you know. Those of you who follow me in the show, was beautiful down there, of course. hot. Spent some time at the beach over by Sarasota. Siesta Keys. beautiful there. First time there. Visited Mickey Mouse, of course, with the kids. Had a really good time down there. Uh, don't know what I'm doing here in New York. Sometimes I question myself, what the heck am I doing here living in New York State, western New York, Buffalo, where we get all this snow and I could be down there in sunny Florida. But anyhow, that's a story for another time. We're back here, uh, back on the grind with the show. And speaking of the grind, we are in the thick of it now. And then by it, I mean... NFL draft season. We we've got mock drafts coming out here left and right. Top thirty visits going on, and the rumor mill is in high gear. It is really one of the most exciting times, uh, one of the most exciting events, I should say, of the year in the NFL, besides the actual games, of course, that we get to see on the field. But right now, the reason why I think it's such an exciting time is because everyone is zero and zero right now. Hopes are high. Teams and fan bases across the league they have optimism right now that, that a new beginning is on the horizon, regardless of what happened last year or, you know, in the previous couple of years, it's a fresh start and a chance to add uh, possibly the next great player, you know, to the roster. And and so I'm sure you've had the chance by now, you, you know, you're beginning to do, or some of you by now are probably well into your draft research. You've been doing those mock drafts. I know that uh, Dane Brugler, Uh, over at the athletic, their draft expert, he, he did release his 2023 version of the beast. Uh, I've been reading it. There's a lot to, a lot of information there to digest. He does a great job with that. Of course, you're going to hear me reference that, uh, scouting guide, you know, from, from time to time, but, um, you know, we, we will talk draft this week as we will next week. We are now just 13 days away from the big night round one. Obviously we're going to discuss it. We're going to speculate on it. What may happen uh, later in the show. I will give you some of my thoughts on, on the top five Raiders positions of needs. Um, Still a lot of upgrades that are needed uh, even after free agency, after signing 24 free agents. And then I'm also going to give you some names of some prospects that ha- that have kind of caught my eye through my you know, through my research here that I've been doing in the last couple of weeks. Also, in the final segment of the show, in segment number two, we're going to be joined by our guest this week, Brent Sobleski, Senior NFL Analyst uh, for Bleacher Report. And, and Brent is also... Uh, the, the head of the scouting department for BR. So I'm really looking forward to uh, you know getting on the phone with him and, and, and getting some of his thoughts on this year's draft. So we got a really busy show coming at you here this week. I'm, I'm really happy to be back here with you guys. Um, I, I've missed I've missed being behind the mic and, and I'm ready to start talking some some NFL football and, and some draft here uh each week here on the show we're going to get started off with some news and notes from the week and we're going to start this week with uh, a report that i saw i actually saw it on bleacher report um it, it's a report that the raiders raiders rumors they're calling it the raiders are only interested in two quarterbacks that is cj stroud and bryce young and that comes from a report from from todd mcshay of espn on his latest sports center special that he did um, listen, guys. This is rumor season. This is there's a lot of smoke, a lot of stuff being put out there right now. I'm not saying I'm opposed to that, uh, you know, way of thinking. I, I too would be just fine with with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. But to say that the Raiders are only interested in those two quarterbacks, I'm assuming they mean in round one. Um, I'm not so sure, sure I'm buying that. It seems like every day we are getting. You know, another rumor being put out there. I'm kind of sick of the rumors right now, and I'm not talking about Raiders' rumors specifically, but just rumors in general. I mean, each day it's something different, whether the the Panthers are no longer interested in, in CJ Stroud and now they like Anthony Richardson or the Texans aren't interested in Bryce Young. It's it's every day it's something new. I'm a little bit tired of it. I I really just try to ignore most of it at this point in time. Um, You really can't believe anything you're hearing, but I thought it was at least worth mentioning here on the show. But the other thing that has caught the attention of Raider Nation is Jalen Carter. He visited with the Raiders on Wednesday. That's really big news to me, because if you go back just a couple of weeks ago, Vic Tafer reported, and he's of course with The Athletic, he reported that the Raiders had removed Jalen Carter from their draft board, but that report was later uh, denied by head coach Josh McDaniels. He instead insisted... The Raiders would do their homework on Jalen Carter, and now we know he did come in for a visit, a top thirty visit, on Wednesday with the Raiders. Now, after the quarterbacks, there is not another storyline that is as big as Jalen Carter and where he might go in this draft, and where and how far he may slide if he slides at all. Now, Dane Brugler has him listed as his number three overall prospect on his top one hundred. And that's despite all of the off-field problems that we know about, uh, the, the issues he had with his pro day coming in overweight, the questions with his willingness to accept hard coaching and his motor. Uh, you know, I kind of go back and forth with Jalen Carter. He, he is a disruptive force. We know that the Raiders could absolutely use a guy like that on their defense, but there is a lot of baggage right now surrounding this kid. Does he love the game? You know, Do the Raiders have the proper culture and environment in place to support a guy like Jalen Carter? Those are some of the questions I think need to be asked. And on top of all of that, can you trust the kid to make the right decisions off the field? I don't need to remind any of you out there listening of the Henry Rugg situation. That all occurred. I'm well aware that that occurred under a, a, a totally different coaching staff, general manager, team president. I get all that. But nonetheless... That incident left a major stain on on the organization, but also on the community. Not a, not such a stain, but it's, it left a an you know it made a huge negative impact on the community. And you are talking about the Raiders are new to the city of Las Vegas, trying to you know put their their right foot forward, and and then you have an incident like that. It's just not how you want to begin you know your relationship with with the city. And so you know I, I think those are all. Uh, things that are in the back of the minds of the decision makers, you know for the Raiders, especially Mark Davis because he was there during the Henry Ruggs incident and, and, I, and I think you know all that being said, I do you know I don't know if Carter even makes it to the Raiders at seven. Um, I do agree with a lot of the mock drafts that I've been reading out there that I think he'll go number five as as late as number five to the Seahawks. I I feel like that is a natural fit for him with with Pete Carroll there. He's been there for such a long time, Carroll, and has really developed a culture there. Um, We all know in the NFL that talent is always going to trump a player that has some risk involved, especially a player that is as immensely talented as Jalen Carter is. But if he is there at pick seven and C.J. Stroud are gone, and Bryce Young is gone, then I'm thinking long and hard about making Jalen Carter the pick for the Raiders at 7. You can plug him in there on that defensive line, and if his mind is in the right place, if his heart is in the right spot, there's no question that he makes the Raiders' defense instantly better. And so that's going to be really, really interesting to see how that all plays out with Jalen Carter. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to shift gears. Those are the news from the week, news and notes from the week. I want to shift gears here. Let's get into some uh, some draft talk now. I, w- I want to give you my draft overview of the biggest needs that still remain after free agency. Um, and I'm also going to give you this, some of the names of the prospects that I wouldn't mind seeing wearing the silver and black. So let's, let's first start with how many picks the Raiders have. We all know they hold the number seven pick. Uh, in round one, that is the pick that's creating all the buzz. What are they going to do with the pick? Is it going to be a quarterback? Are they going to bypass quarterback and select uh, a defensive player? Uh, we're going to have to find that out very, very soon. They do hold 12 picks overall in the draft. In round two, they will select 38th overall. They have two picks in round three, number 70 and number 100 overall. And Number 100 is the pick that they got uh, from the Giants in the, in the trade of Darren Waller. They have one pick in round 4, number 109 overall, three picks in the 5th round, numbers 144 or excuse me, 141, 144 and 174 overall. They have two picks in uh, round 6 and two picks in round 7. All those picks are 204 overall and later. So we're talking about some some late round picks there. Plenty of ammunition for Dave Ziegler to use if he wants to be aggressive and and, and trade up in round one, maybe get up to pick three if they need to. Uh, Perhaps with the Arizona Cardinals, there's reports I just saw the other day. Again, rumor season, but I just saw a few days ago that the Cardinals have been receiving a lot of calls on the pick. I would imagine that Las Vegas has to be one of those teams that's interested and maybe even placed a phone call just to kind of see – you know, where we stand here, but, um, you know, that would be very interesting if, if a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young, for some reason did fall, uh, to number three, that would, uh, that would get the Cardinals a pretty good haul. I would imagine because you're going to have teams like the Colts, and the Raiders, maybe even the Lions, as a you know a team that could uh, look to be getting the quarterback. The Commanders and, and maybe even the Falcons. You, you never know. There's going to be a few teams there that I'm sure would we'll be looking to leapfrog each other to get to get that pick. Um, I also think. Having all of those picks, it does give the Raiders a lot of flexibility to maybe even trade back into the end of round one. You make your pick at pick seven, and you know if there's there's a couple guys there that they love, maybe late in round one, maybe they even look to get back into round one using one of their, you know, two third round picks that they have. You know, package that up with the the second round pick. You, you never know, but I, I do think that having so many picks does give. um Dave Ziegler, a lot of options and, and, and gives them a lot more possibilities to be aggressive. Now, as far as the needs are concerned, I, I think I think things have kind of stayed the same really um, as before free agency. I'll, I, I do think they created a, a need at tight end when they traded Darren Waller, but my list here that I have top five needs, and this is in no particular order, so don't think that I'm ranking them, but. Um, the first one on my list, and I'm not moving on from cornerback. I listed cornerback as one of my top needs going into free agency. I still think it's a need. I I know they signed a bunch of secondary players, but, you know, including Duke Shelley and, and David Long Jr. Um, but, it, but it's just been far too long. I've said this before, since they've had a legitimate, really good, reliable cornerback that you can just, you know, the type of guy that you can put out there and you know is going to hold it down in his side of the field, this year's cornerback class, I keep hearing it's really deep. There's a lot of depth there. Um, Dane Brugler from The Athletic has six cornerbacks in his top 36 uh, players overall. So if, if you're a team that's in need of a cornerback, then this is the year that you could you could land one. We saw the Nate Hobbs experiment um, in 2022 when they moved him outside to corner. It, it didn't go well. Part of that was because he did struggle with injury. But I prefer to see him move back to the nickel, um, which is the package that most teams are playing this, you know, the majority of the time anyways. So it's not like you're taking him off the field. Um, it's where he had all of that success in his rookie year. Um, and, and outside, when you look at the roster, when you look at what they have at the position, outside of Nate Hobbs, and, and maybe I'll even, I'll be generous. I'll throw in Sam Webb because I, I, I do think the coaching staff likes him. But other than Hobbs, there's nothing else there. There's no building blocks there in the secondary, and I and I'm not going to put Duke Shelley and, and David Long Jr. into that category because they are both players that are going into year six of their career. You know, I, I know they're not they're not over the hill so to speak, but you know these are guys who, uh, you know, twenty six years old. I mean, I know they got a couple good years left, but I'm talking about foundational pieces here, impactful young talent. Um, those are the type of guys that I'm talking about. So, um, some of the prospects now, depending on the mock draft that you've been reading, you've probably seen cornerback is, is a common pick, a common selection for the Raiders in round one. And I would be perfectly fine with that. If that's how it played out, I would be totally okay with cornerback being the pick. The top two options on most draft boards are Gonzalez out of Oregon and, and Witherspoon from, from Illinois. I like both players. I, I think we're kind of splitting hairs, in, in my personal opinion. Um, you know, Gonzalez has the better measurables. If that's what you're into, he's got the better combination of size and speed. Um, he's got more length, um, and, and I think you know that does give him the ability to to match up with the bigger, faster NFL receivers. Uh, while when you look at Witherspoon, you know he's a little bit smaller, coming in at five eleven. Uh, but he does make up for that that lack of size with with his style of play, which is is real. You know, he plays with physicality, loves to compete. Uh, from what I read, according to his coach, Lovey Smith, called him the toughest guy on the team. So if they waited, uh, if they decided not to go cornerback, and let's say round one, let's say they went quarterback or or somewhere else, offensive line, and they wanted to wait until the later rounds of the draft, uh, I think one of the guys that is interesting. Uh, is, is Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. And I'm going to tell you the good first. He, he's, he's six foot tall. He's got really long arms, really good length. um, And he's got a nose for the ball. Nose for the ball. Josh McDaniels spoke in a press conference not too long ago. I think it was just before the combine, if I'm not mistaken. And he talked about needing to create more turnovers. And and that's what Forbes did really well at the college level. 14 interceptions in three seasons at Mississippi State, 35 PBUs. So he has the elite ball skills. And the thing you love about him is he knows how to finish with the ball in his hands. He returned six of those 14 interceptions for touchdowns. So you love to see that. Tell me, tell me right now, the Raiders secondary could not use an impact player like that. And to top it off, To top off the good things, he's a burner. He ran a 4.35 at the scouting combine in the 40-yard dash. Now, for the bad. For the bad is I weigh about 10 pounds more than this guy, and I'm (laughs) 5'7". So he weighed in at 166 pounds at the combine. He actually added a few pounds, uh, got up to 170 for his pro day, but I mean he's rail thin, so that is a major concern. I talked about Gonzalez being able to match up with some of the more bigger, faster, physical tr- receivers in the NFL. I'm not sure that Forbes could hold up against those same types of receivers. But again, he is an intriguing prospect. Moving over, uh, moving on to my next um, need, I'm going to go offensive line. Okay, and there, that's no, that's no surprise. It's not a hot take. In particular, I think they need a, a right tackle. Now, I don't care that they re-signed Brandon Parker or or, or Jermaine Illuminor. Um, And and no disrespect to either one of those guys. Illuminor, he's been really vocal, if you follow him on Twitter, really vocal about how he feels about people that doubt him (laughs) and his abilities. And I really do appreciate the confidence that he has in himself. He's been talking a big game out there, and I really do hope he backs it up, because if he backs it up, that's going to help the Raiders. But... I, I don't know if he's, he's not, you know, he's not the answer at right tackle. I can't sit here today and say that he's the answer for the next couple of years at right tackle. He he's been in the league six years now. He's on his third team and you, you just don't all of a sudden become like the guy in year seven at, at the age of 28 going, going on 29 in December. So I'm sorry. I, I just, I just don't see that happening. Um, you know, can the combination of, of Parker and Illuminor can they get you through a season? You know, you throw in Thayer Mumford Jr. Can the three of them get you through a season at right tackle? Sure, they could. But but you got Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback now, and I, and I think it would be wise to think about beefing up that offensive line, particularly at right tackle now. I also don't think it would hurt to bring in another interior offensive line. They squeezed a lot out of Alex Bars last year. They squeezed a lot out of him last year. Made fifteen or fourteen starts, excuse me. Um, and when he only made eleven starts in his previous three seasons, so he he already exceeded that uh, last year in one season alone. Now I think when you look at him along with uh, Dylan Parham, they most likely are penciled in at the top of the depth chart. As far as the guard positions go, I think we saw enough out of Parham to know that, you know, to assume at least that he can be a or become a competent starter in the league. But there's definitely room for an upgrade on Alex Bars, I think. You know, maybe in later rounds, three, four, or five, you could maybe look to grab a guard. But some of the O line prospects I mentioned uh, with the cornerbacks, depending on the mock draft you read, you, you may have seen offensive tackle be the pick in the first round as well and and you know I'd personally I'd rather they wait on an offensive lineman um you know let's say they 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 pass on a quarterback and decide to go defense in in, in round 1 then I could see them you know maybe looking to add the next best uh, offensive tackle in round 2 and if that's the case I'm looking at guys who have experience at right tackle True right tackles. Um, you think back to Alex Leatherwood. He was kind of a tweener. You know, was he a guard? Was he a tackle? And if I'm not mistaken, he spent some time playing left tackle at Bama. And I, you could, I could be wrong. I have to, I'd have to go back and look at that. But you know, making the transition from from the left side to the right side, from guard to tackle, that's not easy to do in the NFL. That's not easy to do in the NFL. It didn't go well for Leatherwood. Um, so I think if they're looking to to draft someone. And you're looking in rounds two or three, um, one of the guys I like uh, is Dewan Jones from Ohio State. Um, massive human being, 6'8, 374 pounds, huge wingspan, 87 and 7 eighths wingspan. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, that is enormous. And he's a mover in the run game. How could you not be when you're 374 pounds, right? But second team All American, played in really big games at Ohio State. Plenty of experience at right tackle, as I mentioned, 25 starts um, in his final two seasons at Ohio State, uh, so I like him. Number three on my list of needs, linebacker. Now, have you looked at the names of the current linebackers on the Raiders roster? If not, let me refresh your memory. Here we go. Curtis Bolton, Darian Butler, Divine Diablo, Luke Masterson, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right, but Kanai Moaga, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right, some some guy from USC, I've never heard of him, and the newly signed free agent Robert Spillane. So you tell me. <laughs> does, does, does anybody jump off the page at you on that list? That is an underwhelming group of linebackers. And, and besides the lack of talent there at the position, go look at the, the, the number of years... Each of these guys have been the lead. Extremely young and extremely unproven. So they definitely could use an upgrade there. Some of the prospects that I like. Now, I don't expect the Raiders to pull the trigger in the early rounds with a linebacker. Um, Generally, unless there's a stud there like we saw with Micah Parsons or even a couple years prior to that when we saw Devin White and uh, Devin Bush, I think they both went you know, the top 15 picks there in, and in, 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 the draft a few years ago, uh, you, you generally don't see the NFL selecting linebackers too high. Um, I would, I would expect the Raiders to possibly address, you know, the position during the middle of the draft. One of the names that I like, again, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce it right. Henry Tua, is it Tua Otu? Okay. The linebacker from uh, Alabama, you know, he may not be the best linebacker in coverage, but, um, uh, you know, I, I do think he'd be a solid solid player for them. Um, if you're starting that linebacker for Alabama and Nick Saban, you must be doing something right. So I, I, I you know, um, I do think that would be a, a safe pick. He called the defense for Alabama. Um, I did watch Alabama more than any team this year, college football, and he was always a guy that really kind of stood out to me. So um, I think he would be a player to keep an eye on. Number four on my list, I have tight ends. Now, I don't know if anybody else feels this way about tight end, but I, I I, do feel like the Raiders need to go out there and add another tight end. There's currently four on the roster, Austin Hooper, O.J. Howard, Jesper Horstead, and some guy named Cole Fotheringham. Okay, never heard of him. <laughs> uh, I, I think tight end has been a position of strength on this team for the last couple of years with, with Waller and, and Moreau. Um, but, but both of those players gone now, I think they need to add another guy to groom under Austin Hooper. I don't expect OJ Howard to even make the team, and I don't know about this this Fatheringham as well. I, I do think Horstead will be on the team. I think they like him, and I do expect Hooper to be you know tight end one. As far as prospects are concerned, everyone keeps telling me this is a very deep draft class at tight end, so I don't think there's a big need for, for Ziegler and and. McDaniels to go crazy here and look to draft one of the top guys at the position like Michael Mayer or, or Dalton Kincaid, although McDaniels does love his tight end, so you never really know, but I, I think Darnell Washington is really interesting. Um, I, I don't think he'll make it past round two, um, but at 6'6", 264 pounds, man, he could be a great threat in the red zone with that body, and as a blocker, he could really help out in the run game. Talk about a matchup problem, right? I mean, you talked about Darren Waller was a matchup problem. This guy could really do somewhat, you know, sort of the same kind of things. Um, not that I, he's on Darren Waller's level yet, but, you know, l- really good measurables there. Um, Sam Laporta is is another guy who's on the radar. Team captain at Iowa. Really good history of tight ends there at Iowa. Uh, I'm sure you're well aware of that. Hawkinson and Fant and George Kittle. Um no questions about his character being a captain at Iowa or his love for the game. He's going to need to improve a little bit as a blocker, you know, at the NFL level, but, you know, plays the game with great effort and is a really tough kind of guy. And, you know, you obviously need to be tough um, at the position of tight end. And then lastly, the number five position of need that I have on my list uh, is defensive line. And, and, you know, you could, you could go all the way up and down the line for this one. It could be on the edge. It could be inside a tackle. You name it, they could use some help there. Bilal Nichols and Jerry Tillery right now, I am assuming would be the starters um, at defensive tackle if the season started today. Behind them, though, there isn't a whole lot. You know, They signed a, the, the veteran John Jenkins from uh, Miami. Uh, okay, you know, I'm not really expecting a whole lot out of him. You hope that the two rookies from last year, Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell Jr., can can make a jump in year two and contribute. But but I don't see anyone on that off. You know anyone on that defensive line that opposing offensive coordinators are, are, are losing sleep over or are having to game plan around, and that's a problem. You need to have players like that. If you move out to the outside, they're definitely in need of some depth behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. It looked to me like Chandler Jones was all but finished last year. You know, he did end the year uh, better than he started, but he's now thirty-three years old. He was only able to manage four and a half sacks last year, and so you just don't know what you're going to get with him. I, I still don't know what the plan is with Malcolm Kutz. Um He played in only six percent of the defensive snaps last year. You know, I, I it's possible this coaching staff doesn't see him as a fit. You know, Patrick Graham maybe. Wants a bigger body out there on the edge. I I don't know. We'll see what happens with Coontz and if he gets more of a chance in 2023. But 27. 27 is the number of sacks that the Raiders had last year. That was 30th in the NFL. Um, And according to pro football, not pro football, focus on, excuse me, pro football reference, the Raiders generated 124 quarterback pressures, which ranked them 23rd in the NFL. So, you know, I'm sure that those numbers are different depending on where you're getting your your data from as far as pressures, because some of these different sites measure them differently. But however you want to look at it, those numbers are not good enough. Um, they did not affect the quarterback well enough last year, and, and that's a problem. You combine that with a poor secondary, and you can see why the Raiders had the 29th Uh, ranked passing defense uh, uh, in the NFL in 2022. So it's definitely an area where they need to upgrade. As far as prospects are concerned here, I mentioned Jalen Carter at the top of the show. I would be more than okay taking him at number seven. I know there's risk there. I don't know if Ziegler has the luxury of investing a top seven pick on on a guy with character concerns, but man, he is a game wrecker. And I think if you're going to take a risk, you you may want to do it with a guy like him. You know, other guys that I liked when I was when I was watching the Senior Bowl coverage, that kid out of Wisconsin, last name Benton. I thought he was outstanding at the Senior Bowl. Um, Another team captain. I know I keep pointing that out, but I think it's something that you know would would, is attractive to NFL teams. I thought he used his hands really well, and I I was when I was reading um, Dane Brugler's draft guide, I learned that he has a background in wrestling, which kind of I think helps explain his his hand usage and things like that. But you know, if the if the Raiders do miss out on one of those top defensive tackles in the draft, a, a, a Carter or a Breezy or a Kalijah Cansey, maybe even uh Mazi Smith, you know, who is ranked up there in the top five guys in the position, I would really be pleased with Benton um, out of Wisconsin. If, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with him, go check out some of his tape on the edge. I think this is a pick where, again, you can wait. I, you know, I know it's a premium position, uh, but because of that, if you want to get one of those top guys, those top five players, you're going to need to invest a first round pick in one. And I just don't know, unless you're trading up again into the back end of round one, I don't know if you're going to be able to get one of those top guys. Um, and outside of Will Anderson, you know, there's not one that I, that I really love right now that I've kind of fallen in love with. I think... When you look at guys like Tyree Wilson and Lucas Van Ness and Nolan Smith and Miles Murphy, um, they're all projected as first round guys right now. Um, but, but I, in my opinion, and I'm no expert, but I don't consider them to be home run guys. You know what I mean? Like they, they all have things that you like as far as maybe the combination of size and speed, but they also all have some 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 warts as well. So I would be weary of of using you know, a top 10 pick on some of these guys, perhaps later in the draft. I would be okay with that. Um, a couple other names that I like Will McDonald. This would be more later in the draft. I would say maybe round two, three, four, maybe, uh, Will McDonald, another player I liked at the senior bowl from Iowa state had a lot of production in college. Um, I also think Zach Harrison from Ohio state is is interesting to me. Really big frame, big guy. I think he weighed in at two seventy. Um, can play multiple spots along the defensive line. I you know, versatility is a big thing with this new coaching staff of the Raiders. And then there's a kid out of USC. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this name. To a to a I can't pronounce it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not even gonna embarrass myself. Defensive tackle out of uh, or DN DN. I'm sorry out of uh, USC. So really productive last season, 13 and a half sacks, 22 tackles for loss. And and also one more name for you, the kid out of Notre Dame, uh, Isaiah Foskey. Okay, Foskey, 22 sacks um, in his last two seasons. He had 11 sacks in 2021 and then 11 sacks in 2022. Seven forced fumbles. Okay. That's something, again, I talked about McDaniels wanting to create more turnovers, get their hands on the ball more. He does that. So you need players that can do that. Ran a four, five, eight, 40, and he weighs 263 pounds. So he's a a guy that's big and can move. So those are some of the prospects that can most likely be had in the middle rounds of the draft. All right, guys, that was my long winded NFL draft overview for the Raiders with some positions of needs there and prospects that I have highlighted on my list. And now I'm going to step aside here, get to a quick break. And when I return, we will be joined by Brent Sobleski, senior NFL analyst for Bleacher Report. You are listening to a brand new episode of Just Pod Baby brought to you by SportsNot.com. Raider Nation, Just Pod Baby, coming at you, a couple weeks off. Excited to be back here behind the mic with you guys. And please make sure you subscribe to the show. Uh, do not plan to take off any more time here for, for quite a while. Um, no more there's no more vacation time on the school calendar, so I'll be with you guys as much as I possibly can here uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, of course, I do appreciate all of you tuning in and all of the support. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and leave me a, a five-star review and a rating as well. But it is time now to go out to the phone lines. We're going to welcome in our guest this week to help us get some more insight into the draft and all the prospects that are involved. We're going to be speaking with senior NFL analyst from Bleacher Report, Brent Sobleski, and Brent, we appreciate the time. I know that you're a very, very busy man this time of year. How's everything going, my friend?
0: I'm doing well. I feel like we're crunched for time, but that's just the the work side of me at the moment, being we're less than two weeks away from the NFL draft. But that, that's a good tension, right? That's, that's everything we've been looking forward to and a, just an exhilarating feeling at this time of year when everyone is happy and ready for the NFL draft. Why? Because you... Every NFL fan, it doesn't matter who you root for, is actually hopeful at this time of year and only this time of year.
1: Absolutely. It's like a clean slate for all all 32 teams in a league. And I think that's why it's become such a, a huge event uh, on the NFL calendar. And, and for you, for guys like you who cover the league, and I know you're doing a lot with the scouting department over at Bleacher Report. I know this is like this is like your Super Bowl. So this is all the work that you put in all year long comes to the you know finally comes to a head here in the next couple of weeks so let, let's get right into it before we get into some of the draft specific questions and get some of your insight into some of the prospects I, I want to get some of your general thoughts on on some of the moves that were made by the Raiders uh, general manager Dave Ziegler it's been a busy offseason for him moved on from Derek Carr traded away Derek uh, Darren Waller excuse me signed twenty four free agents in free agency and it kind of kind of signaled the rebuild. In Las Vegas, what has it been your takeaway from all that's been done with the roster in Las Vegas?
0: Well, it's almost a do-over season, right? And I don't mean that in a negative way. I actually applaud Josh McDaniels for coming in last season, thinking he could work with available talent and trying their best to make that work. Obviously, it did not, and hence why you have turned over this offseason. Once you reach the point where you realize that you're just basically beating your head against the wall, you to really have an overhaul of the roster. I understand how how ingrained people like Derek Carr and Darren Waller were with that organization, with that community and just overall solid football players. But at the same time, if you continue not to find success and I'm not, and just barely playoffs, like we saw two years ago, that's not success in the NFL. That's just uh, slightly above mediocrity. Then you need to change and go in a different direction. So I actually, what the Raiders have done. I like that they bring in players they're familiar with. This is things that we've seen coaching staffs basically in every single tradition, whether we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Myers, you know, guys that know Josh McDaniels know this and they're going to come in and help others really set up especially for success. The key is this. You still have holes where, where do you go to address them to make you a better and stronger roster overall from 1 to 50? And I think that's the real question mark for the Raiders when in the top 10 and throughout the rest of the draft itself.
1: Yeah, you you, you nailed it. I think you made a lot of great points there, bringing in some guys that you're familiar with. Um, you know, I, I, for one, and I think a lot of Raiders fans were not surprised to see Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, be the quarterback that they they went after, uh, after, you know, the news of, of Tom Brady's retirement. Um, but you you mentioned the draft. let's let's get into the draft a little bit. You talked about a lot of holes to be filled. you know, I, I just kind of started my draft prep uh, this week really trying to get to know some of these prospects a little bit better. <laughs> I'd like to get what are your overall thoughts on this year's draft class as a whole? You know, maybe strengths or weaknesses where we, maybe where there's some some depth <laughs> and some and some value.
0: First thoughts based on the way you phrased it is too late.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a little behind You're schedule. I'm I'm a, I'm a, a little behind schedule the- this
0: year. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> no, it's just it's one of those things. Uh, it, it it can be overwhelming. It absolutely can. And when you look at this from a macro point of view, I think there's some interesting aspects of this NFL draft. I think you you have the quarterbacks, which obviously is a very big part of this conversation and what we could potentially have with guys that are legirous round talents compared to last year, where only one ended up. In the first not just in the first round, but in the first two rounds, and yet we have four guys I think that could very well and should very well go in the top ten. so that's a huge change in in, in the year to year cycle. Uh, the other one being wide receiver, we've seen really strong wide receiver classes the last few years. This one is deep again, and you can add talent and multiple different skill sets, but at the same time, you're lacking that true top end. Uh, target. uh, You have guys like Quentin Johnson. You have Jackson Smith and Jigba. You have uh, Jordan Addison, very talented guys, but mostly they're just outside that top 10, if not top 20 range. And finally, if you're just looking at a position where you better go find veteran help, because it pretty much stinks. I would lean towards safety. Once you get past Alabama's Brian Branch, who's probably the only one that could sniff the first round, it is just a very poor class overall, not just with depth, but athleticism. Overall, there's very good few good talents available. So if you want that backline defender and in today's game, where it's more important than ever, based on how many uh, shell coverages we see an emphasis there, uh, to slow opposing uh, passing attacks, to me, the, to me, that that's the one area where you may have to go look elsewhere to really address it and make your defense better.
1: So you mentioned the quarterbacks, and 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 as most cases, as, as you said, you know quarterbacks usually dominate the conversation. That that's happening again this year. Um, as we're now about two weeks away from, from the round one. I expect Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud to go 1-2. I'm not sure which order that will occur in, but I do think they will be the top two picks of the draft. So I want to ask you, if you're picking for the Raiders, okay, and, and let's say Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are both sitting there at 7, and, and the Raiders are going to take a quarterback, let's say that they've made their mind up, they're going to take a quarterback, which one of them are, are you selecting at that position?
0: Well, it's interesting you actually bring that up because I actually have an article coming out tomorrow, and the title of it is Anthony Richardson or Will Levis Who's a better bet among NFL drafts Tier 2 quarterbacks. Now, that's a loaded statement, first of all, (laughs) in the title, and obviously you want to be a little provocative to bring in readers because I don't necessarily see them as Tier 2 specifically, Anthony Richardson, which kind of alludes to my answer, but looking at it, What's fascinating about this uh, this entire quarterback class, and, I, and I'm just going to bring up a general statement here because I, I this is what I, what I find most interesting near the top of this class. You can legitimately have four different quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, and yet in every situation where they land, it could be QB one on that respective team's board. That's how fascinating this class is. There's no Trevor Lawrence. They're very talented guys. Don't get me wrong. These are these are guys that can be franchise quarterbacks, but there's no clear cut. Top guy. Now I know it seems like we're leaning towards Bryce Young, and that, at least for the Carolina Panthers. But if you're asking me, and I'm look from a perspective in you know a macro point of view again. What I see is four quarterbacks who have varying skill sets and could have varying degrees of success in the NFL. And, and and I'm sure it's people out there rolling their eyes and saying, "Well, no, duh, that's the case every year." But look at it this way: when you have Bryce Young, right? He's an outlier. Amazing talent, right? Plays a position better than anyone in the class, and that's why he's potentially deserving going number one overall. But still, he's an outlier. He's not the—he's smaller than guys like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield. We've never seen that before, right? You look at C.J. Stroud. Uh, to me, a wonderful talent. The most polished of the group, with both his mechanics and his consistency, his ball placement, his accuracy overall. Just a guy that operates so well within the offense. Now the question with him has been, always been, how is he going to operate outside of structure? When things happen, when he has to reset, reset in the pocket and, and still work in rhythm, that's questionable. Not under full against Georgia, but let's see it on a more consistent basis. Will Levis, 24 years old has a howitzer strapped to his uh, right shoulder. You know, he's a guy that had a down season, a lot of talent around him left. He tried to do too much, did not perform well, questions about his decision-making inaccuracy. and accuracy. I, and I left Anthony Richardson last for a reason. Because when I look at those guys that I just mentioned, comparative to Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson may be the furthest behind on the developmental curve. And it's not as far behind as people think but if you could still argue he's furthest behind a developmental curve but i will say he is the one guy that you look at in this class to say to yourself that can be a legitimate top 5 nfl quarterback now he has to be developed properly and placed in the right situation I agree. again that's applicable across the board but if you do so and maximize his physical ability along with his growing passing skill set i think he can be an absolute superstar in the nfl so i think that answers your question pretty succinctly
1: (laughs) yeah I I liked your answer very detailed then again we are chatting with uh, Brent Sobo Sobleski senior NFL analyst at Bleacher Report he also is the head of the scouting department for them Uh, doing a great job here with us giving us a rundown of the upcoming draft here in about two weeks I want I want to ask you about a couple other positions another really big uh, mm-hmm. storyline in this year's draft is is uh Jalen Carter okay we all know tremendous mm-hmm. talent uh, but the kid has not done himself any any favors recently we know about the off the field trouble the issues at his pro day with the the gaining of the weight I don't need to get into all of that but well, what's your take on J- uh, Jalen Carter how far could he fall if he does slide and is the risk worth uh is the reward worth the risk for a team picking in the top seven like the Raiders
0: let me give you my mindset and where i was exactly when i found the news about about every with demeanors and getting arrested and so on and so forth i was walking the indiana convention center for the combine so Mm. that's what i walked into that day just getting into indianapolis and i had one of our scouts come up to me and tell me what was and my automatic response was I don't care and it's not that I don't care about the situation and, and, and I'm not trying uh, to downplay the, the fact that two people lost their lives and, 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 that we should absolutely support their families and everything that occurred, but from an NFL perspective, you know, as we came to find out later there, he had no direct involvement. He, oper- he worked with the, the police officers on the scene and that it essentially became two misdemeanors for reckless driving and uh, driving under the influence okay again dumb decisions but ultimately nothing that would hurt his draft stock and and when you look at it from purely an evaluation standpoint from a team perspective now mind you what type of players we've seen come through the nfl who guys who have gotten monster contract extensions in recent years whether we're talking about deshaun watson tyree keeler jeffrey simmons talent trumps trepidation it's something that i say all the time when it comes to this game and how how professional teams look at at these at these men, and when it comes to Jalen Carter, when you absolutely break it down, he is an near unstoppable talent on the field if If there's questions about work ethic, I think it really comes down to more so where he lands than whether he can actually fulfill his talent anywhere by that, I mean, you have a good locker room? do you have the right coaches around you? Is he going to be in a situation where there's temptation on and off the field? You know these are things that have to be taken into consideration, and they always are and I always go back to something a scout told me years ago you know when I was sitting down talking with him, and he looked at me thennya I don't know how any of these guys are successful and And he went on to explain he goes they come they have to move to new cities out of the blue. they have to find new houses. What if they have family around them? How do they handle that? How do you deal with a new coaching staff, new system, I and mean, so on and so forth. He just rattled off a list of reasons, and he's absolutely right. So when it comes down to it, something I stress consistently, situation matters, situation matters, situation matters. If you are comfortable who you are in the organization, if you are settled with your leadership, not only in the coaching staff but in the locker room itself, then I think he would be an absolute wonderful addition based purely on talent. Now, if you are more unsettled, or you have a new head coach, or it's a little more of an issue, then that's where you might want to stay away a little bit and and, and and kind of back off, maybe go in another direction. So to me, he's still an elite talent. It just comes down to what is your evaluation of the person when you are sitting down as an organization, discussing him as a potential draft uh, target.
1: What about what about cornerback? Uh, you know, another position that the Raiders desperately need somebody. It's been a long time since they had somebody out there that they could re- rely on. Uh, the, the top two cornerbacks that, that we're seeing on most big boards, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon and, and Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Uh, is there one that you like better? I know your buddy and your colleague, uh, Mo Moten, he, he likes he likes Witherspoon. But, but where do you stand on that?
0: I do believe Witherspoon is uh, CB1 in this this draft class because he has the most natural coverage corner, right? He's got the most fluidity in and out of, uh, in and out of breaks, uh, again, in his coverage, uh, very smooth backpedal, a guy with the anticipatory traits not only to play through a wide receiver to the ball but simultaneously to trigger and play downhill with a very physical style of play against ball carriers or you have the Short route, smoke route, so on and so forth, he'll come up and he'll, he'll, he will absolutely lay you out. So when you have that combination, I think that really places him at the top. Now, interestingly, he's the smallest of the top three cornerbacks, right? You also have Christian Gonzalez and I'm placing Penn State's Joey Porter Jr. in that conversation because I personally am a big fan of Joey Porter Jr. because He has that size at six, two and a half long arms, 34 inches. And he also plays with a level physicality that's really reminiscent of his father. I'll be a cornerback instead of outside linebacker. So there's a difference, but you know, he has that mentality, right? That, that very aggressive nature that allows him to really stymie wide receivers. And Gonzalez is fascinating because of what type of athlete he is, right? Six foot one, 198 pounds, he has uh, he has a uh, almost a 10 relative athletic score. A guy that can simply move for a bigger cornerback. My question with him, anytime I have the discussion about him as a prospect, is continually refining his technique, particularly his hand play. One thing, if you watch Gonzalez closely, and I know you can get away with it at the college level because of the rules as they're currently set, he's very handsy down the, down the field. In the NFL, you can't get away from that. And they, you will be called consistently for pass interference. So it's just a thing where he has the ability. It's just he's going to need to refine his technique and get better in that regard to become more comfortable and overall in, in phase with wide receivers and, and really realizing his full. Potential as a system. so in a roundabout way, it is Witherspoon number one. I actually lean towards Porter number two, then Gonzalez.
1: Interesting. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I know a lot of people are high on Porter, uh, especially with that length. Um, you know, beyond let's say beyond those top three guys that you just mentioned, um, I know I know the position overall, cornerback is, is one that it's viewed as being a little bit deeper um, in this year's draft. Is there anyone that you like that maybe? Would be you know worthy of a a later draft pick like perhaps in round two three or even round four that you, that's been catching your eye throughout your uh, you know your scouting.
0: Well, it's just, it just depends on what type of corner. If you're looking for a nickel, you have Clark Phillips the third coming out of Utah. We had a first round grade on him most of the year, but he tested poorly. It doesn't doesn't take away from his natural instincts and ball skills, which he was one of the best in college football last year. Six interceptions, tie for second. And the nation, very, very instinctual player that very natural overall fluid. He just, he doesn't run particularly well. <laughs> we, we've seen guys like that excel in the league. You just have to, you just have to be able to make the flip those hips and be able to turn with a wide receiver without losing a step. And he can certainly do so. Some people will have him pigeonholed to slot and that's okay. Cause that's a starting position in today's NFL. Uh, we didn't mention Deontay banks. He's probably in the first round just because of his raw athleticism cam Smith, is fascinating because he has that inside-out versatility uh, at South Carolina. I know he didn't play over the slot much, but if you go back to uh, actual spring ball, that's all the only place they played him. Uh, so he had some injuries this year, very solid player overall. If you're looking for the bigger, more physical types uh, that can jam you at the line of scrimmage, play some man press, or jam and then drop into zone, you have Georgia's Keeley Ringo, Kansas State's Julius Brents, you know, Brents is six foot three, <laughs> thirty-four inch arms. He is a tarantula of a man playing cornerback, and it's it, and not to mention he also has a near ten uh, relative athletic score. Ringo obviously played well for Georgia, two-time national champion was a five-star recruit was once considered top ten. Talent. He's a little stiff, but again, you put him in a nice zone system, he could play it well. So it comes down to those skill sets. If he, another guy that I didn't mention that's really talented. The only thing is he's basically a stick figure is Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Uh, He's a wonderful player and a great ball instincts, and yet he's 166 pounds. So how does he hold up long-term? But one thing is you have rightly stated this is a deep class. You can find your Baskin-Robbins flavor that you need for your defense, and you can find it all throughout this draft.
1: Yeah, Forbes is a guy that I was talking about a little bit earlier in the show as as a possible guy late in the draft. A lot lot of elite ball skills, the six uh, interceptions returned for touchdown. That's something the Raiders' defense has really lacked is some playmaking, so he's a guy that has kind of caught my eye. But listen, I've got one more for you. I've kept you long enough. I know how busy you are right now. Final question I have for you. Um, I'm going to ask you to put your GM hat on again. Um, uh, you're making the pick okay. for you're making the pick now for Raider Nation. Now, in this scenario, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are off the board. Okay, in a perfect okay. world, who who would you hope to see there? And then, who w- who would you make the pick at number seven for the Raiders?
0: Well, I think I answered it earlier. I would 100% go with Anthony Richardson. I I believe that he has the most potential and upside of any prospect in this class. Furthermore. While I do applaud the Raiders for their approach this here to have a competent cornerback like, like Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster, he is not your long-term answer. I mean, let's, let's not beat around the bush about it. He can win you games or at least keep you within games and play within the system, but you want someone that's actually special. And Richardson has that potential. So I know some people won't like that answer, but at the same time, if he's available, I think you jump all over it. If not, I, I would even trade up potentially for him for the third overall pick with the Arizona Cardinals. But if Oakland staying, stays pet, uh, stands pet, excuse me, and you're looking at corner specifically, I know Bleacher Bleach Report this week, our mock draft, we had Christian Gonzalez there, albeit Witherspoon was off the board a pick earlier, so kind of give some context there. Again, I'm, I'm also a Porter fan, so I would absolutely keep him in that mix as well.
1: There you go. Anthony Richardson is the pick if Brent, if Brent Sobo is uh, is the GM. But uh, Brent, thank mm. you so much for the time. I, r- I really appreciate all of your insight. You did a great job there giving us a rundown. Uh, make sure you follow Brent uh, on Twitter, at Brent Sobleski. That's S-O-B-L-E-S-K-I. And, and please make sure you're, you're heading over to Bleacher Report and, and following and supporting all of his great work. Brent, enjoy the draft, and, and we'll have to get you back on sometime down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Evan. All right, there he goes. Heck of a breakdown there from Brent Sobleski from Bleacher Report. Talk about knowing your stuff, right? Wow, he he was he was really good. I, I was very impressed with his 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 knowledge there. I could have gone on for another 30 minutes with him had had we you know had the time. But you know, you heard what he had to say there. Very high on the upside of Anthony Richardson. He he thinks he would even go as as far as as trading up for number three to number three if, if he's there. Now I'm gonna stay consistent with my my take on Richardson. Um, I still have him as the fourth quarterback in, in this class on my list. Now I, I I do not think he's worth a trade up to number three. I don't think Levis is either. Um, if Levis or Richardson are there at pick seven, and then that, that's a different story. If if they, you know, are dead set on getting a quarterback, and they selected one of those two guys at seven. You know, I I'd, I'd be fine with that. Uh but you know, listen, Br- Brent does this stuff. You know, this is what he does. He's an expert. So, you know, he he knows a lot more about this stuff than I do. So, I certainly respect his opinion. Okay, guys, another show in the books and I hope you enjoyed it. Big thanks again to our guest this week Brent Sobleski from Bleacher Report and you will hear from me again next week with another brand new show as we edge closer and closer to the start of the 2023 NFL draft. Take care everyone. Enjoy your weekend, and as always, just win, baby.